All right, Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about retirement plan providers that 401k plan sponsors should avoid. Um, But of course, as we always do, first things first, we talk about the events. Uh, This episode drops when I'll be in Minneapolis for that 401k conference uh, at Target Field. Looking forward to that event. Uh, The following week, next Wednesday, we will be in Houston, uh, Minute Maid Park. Go to that 401ksite.com for further information on how you can be part of it. As well as uh, we have an event in Las Vegas, January 21, New York, New York, Hotel and Casino. And then, of course, that 401k National Virtual Conference the following week, the 28th to 29th. Looking forward to these events. Um, and, uh, go to that, like I said, go to that 401ksite.com for further information. As far as, uh, this week's, uh, topic, uh, you know, I jokingly say these are the types of topics and, you know, when I write articles like this, these are the, uh, things that keep me away from being a speaker at a lot of events. Um, I, I just find it funny these days, uh, <laughs> uh back in the day, yeah, I used to go get invited to uh, speak uh, at national events and whatnot. Uh, and at a certain point, there was like a revolving group of us, like three or four. And now it just seems that there's like this one ERISA attorney uh, that they have speak. And it's, and it's not Fred Reich. You know, you would think that everybody would have Fred Reich. I mean, if I had an event, I'd, I'd bring in Fred Reich. Um, but anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. But uh, that's my snark for the day. Uh, in terms of um, retirement plan providers that 401k plan sponsors should avoid, there are three important rules in life in the uh, Nelson Algren novel, A Walk on the Wild Side. And it goes, never play cards with a man named Doc, never eat at a place called Mom's, never sleep with a woman whose troubles are worse than your own. And... Um, when it comes to retirement plan providers, um, I'm very opinionated. And, uh, you know, again, like I said, uh, these opinions uh, being the turn in the punch bowl, these are going to get people uh, upset because, you know, some of these plan providers are on this list. And, of course, the first on my hit list is the TPA salesperson for one of the top two payroll companies. Um that's again. That's a, an opinion of mine for the last eleven years. Uh, I think that plan sponsors who hire ADP and paychecks for TPAs are making a mistake. Uh, that's just based on experience uh, in dealing with plan sponsors who've had problems when dealing with ADP and paychecks. And again, my opinions change. Um, years ago, um, you know, I worked for I worked with a TPA. Um, I was on staff. I was part of the uh, legal practice, so I, I, I was part of a law firm, but on the side of a TPA, our TPA was bought by a company out in Pennsylvania, and that TPA had a very bad reputation. It had such a bad reputation that they changed their name. It was that bad, and uh, they really um, put a commitment forward to being better. Uh, and uh, eventually I changed my mind about that company, and that company today is a census. A census was BISIS, um, and, uh, you know, when they were BISIS, it wasn't a very good operation. 
uh, they've changed and they've improved. And I haven't seen that from the two top payroll companies. Um, I've had people reach out to me from them. I've had people, you know, threaten me with litigation over my articles. Uh, I've had people prank me from, uh, you know, the, you know, one of the companies and whatnot. But uh, it's just my two cents. You know, I, I just think that the, you know, these payroll companies are very good at payroll. They're not very good at TPA work. Um, uh, you know, I, I just feel like it's a very um, you know, it's it's a business where there's uh, just not a commitment to excellence in plan administration. There's too many turnovers when dealing with the TPA salesperson for one of the two top payroll companies. Um, they make a lot of promises to plan sponsors that aren't accurate. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting. I had a client right now where I was reviewing their contracts and um, uh, it was a, it's a daily valued non-401k plan for a variety of reasons. And they, they did hire ADP, uh, but they did hire uh, a 316 administrator. So maybe I felt a little bit better. But I give my two cents and people can take my advice or not. But, you know, TPA salespeople from these payroll companies are very good at making promises. Um, you know, uh, the, the problem is there's such huge turnover. And I always find that TPA salespeople are, always act like some sort of ombudsman. Uh, when you're dissatisfied with work, uh, you know, Rich Larita, who I work with uh, at two um, TPA shops, Rich was great. Um, you know, when you hired Rich, uh, you hired the TPA, and there were problems, and, you know, problems with the plan administrator. The first person they would uh, criticize, uh, the first person they would contact is Rich, and Rich would be on people's cases as to why things weren't going correctly. Um, and, you know, when there's a lot of turnover with these TPAs, uh, you don't have that, and uh, the, one of the interesting concepts, and, and they tell me that it's not true, but it's happened to a lot of uh, clients that I, I've known who use these payroll providers, but a lot of people, um, if they fire the payroll company as a TPA, they will get fired as a payroll client. Uh, I've seen that happen quite a bit. Uh, I just think that, again, there's no commitment to good work, uh, and as I always say, a TPA is probably the most important plan provider that a uh, plan sponsor could hire. Um, next on my list um, are insurance agents who really only want to sell insurance or annuities. Uh, insurance agents are in the retirement plan business. Because they, they do a very good job in, in selling retirement plans uh, to many closely held businesses. There's nothing wrong with insurance agents selling retirement plans as long as the intent is to sell retirement plans and not something else such as life insurance. Uh, life insurance policies, in my opinion, could be a very good thing. Um, I have uh, a couple policies. I, I'm worth a, a lot more dead than alive. But... Uh, you know, uh, to me, uh, life insurance is like alcohol. Um, it's uh, it's only good in moderation. And uh, too often, uh, I've met clients with a defined benefit plan when the only investment in the plan is a life insurance policy. Um, while defined benefit plans, um, you know, they they require annual minimum funding. 
And uh, the problem when the only investment in the plan is a life insurance policy is that when times are bad uh, and uh, all of a sudden the employer doesn't have money, it's usually a sole proprietor, doesn't have any money for their DB plan and they have to freeze the plan, that means they have to fork over their life insurance policy for the surrender value, which obviously is a lot less than what they paid in. Um, I, I've seen, we when I worked at Geller, there was a um, really, uh, I just, uh, I don't know, I, I just think that there was a very swarmy uh, life insurance agents that we worked with where he set up these defined benefit plans and created these special trusts, which the IRS has been cracking down on. Um, and he would develop these plans, and this was around 2007. 2006. By around 2008, a lot of these plans fell by the wayside because of uh, the economy struggling and, and people obviously not having the money to put up those, uh, you know, minimum funding requirements for the defined benefit plan. And uh, you know, uh, it, it was it was a catastrophe for a lot of these people. Um, I think that life insurance as an investment within a retirement plan can be a good thing. I think it should never be the only investment. Uh, out there, uh, you know, uh, I think that plan sponsors really need to be careful in dealing with insurance agents who really want to push product rather than a retirement solution. Next on my hit list, uh, close to my heart, is um, a plan provider that should be avoided is an ERISA attorney who does not, something more than just being an ERISA attorney. Uh, I will always say that I will never be the president of my local bar association because I don't like most attorneys and it's very funny. Um, the only attorney that I ever filed a ethics complaint was um, the attorney who represented the seller of my house uh, where I'm sitting right now recording. Um, he was just completely unprofessional. Um, I was working with his, I was representing myself, which was obviously a mistake, and I was working with his associate, and I, I th thought that she was terrible and whatnot, and um, the attorney for the seller only got the job um, because his mom was an insurance agent in that office that had the uh, listing. So um, he was upset with my comments and was afraid of my uh, that I may ruin that relationship because a big part of his business were these real estate closings, and he was completely unprofessional. And the funny part of it is he is actually the president of my local county bar association. So, you know, I don't like most of other attorneys. Uh, most other risk attorneys I do like. Uh, just other attorneys, it's just... It's just I understand why people don't like attorneys. Um, I've seen enough abuses, uh, abuses uh, with attorneys—not not arrest attorneys, but just you know abuses with a lot of other attorneys. And you know, I, I remember again, I was doing real estate closings for a little bit way back when, and uh, there was somebody who I respected. Um, I, I worked opposite him uh, in a real estate transaction, and it turns out he stole money from his clients. So. The issue here is, you know, when you have an issue with the retirement plan, you should always seek the counsel of an ERISA attorney, whether it's me or, you know, somebody else. A lot of good uh, ERISA attorneys out there. Just make sure, 
you know, the plan sponsor really has to make sure that the risk attorney is going to be doing uh, all that they're going to be doing um, is serving as a risk attorney. Uh, there are risk attorneys out there who not only wear the hat of a risk attorney, but they also wear the hat of a financial advisor or TPA. You know, there are TPAs where they have affiliated law firms or the risk attorneys and principals of the TPA, and there are law firms that also serve as a TPA. Legal advice should be unbiased and based on the client's needs, and I think the advice is biased if an ERISA attorney is, is, is serving as the financial advisor on the plan or the TPA. The job of an ERISA attorney is to make sure that the retirement plans of their clients, you know, remain qualified. And, you know, what happens when it's the ERISA attorney as the TPA or as the advisor, you know, threatening the plan's qualification? It's, it's a conflict of interest. Um, I think you you know plan sponsors need to hire uh, an independent risk attorney. And one of my favorite stories about a risk attorneys, and uh, I hate I hate the comment uh, spilling the tea. I, I just you know this is uh, this is not rumor and innuendo, but this is gossip. There was an risk attorney in Florida who has since passed away. He actually at one point had a practice. Uh, it was a risk only practice, and then he merged into a very well known. Uh, prestigious law firm, um, and what was funny about him was he would take his plans to TPAs that were producing TPAs, and he would share in the advisory fee. Now, how did he do that? Well, <laughs> this is the funny part. He actually created a dummy corporation so that his law firm, again, a very well-known law firm, offices, you know, got a New York office, uh, there was an office in Florida, whatnot. He actually created a dummy corporation uh, to receive part of the advisory fee. So not only was he the risk attorney, he was also wetting his beak as, you know, a, a paid solicitor. Again, a risk attorney should be uh, unbiased and uh, without conflict. And uh, when you have an risk attorney wearing a couple of hats, that's a conflict uh, of interest. Um Next on my hit list, you got to avoid the retirement plan professionals and relative. I never went into business with a relative of mine. Uh, I never hired a relative in any type of business relationship. Um, I knew never to work with relatives or hire relatives because I had my relatives to show me why this was a bad idea. Uh, I had the, uh, you know, one uncle, uh, these are two uncles uh, by marriage. One uncle was just, you know, not very successful in anything he did. The other uncle was successful. Um, his uh, father owned a um, military hat company. And so the military hat company owner decided it was a good idea to help his brother-in-law out in business. And they went into the indoor amusement park business. Um, they first opened up a restaurant at an indoor amusement park in Union, New Jersey. Then they they had one, um, they had a big one down the street from uh, Sesame Place in Langhorn. I think right now it's a Raymore and Flanagan. It was like a huge, it was like an old UPS mail depot. Uh, it was a huge indoor amusement park. And, and eventually uh, both uncles went into bankruptcy. So, you know, I know not to do business with relatives. Um, as a retirement plan sponsor, um, they have the fiduciary duty to hire retirement plan professionals, 
and you know they're really supposed to be a, a process in place in hiring and reviewing plan providers. Uh, so hiring a financial advisor just because you know their relation is, is to me is a terrible idea because it shows it's not a rational decision, it's not prudent. Uh, you know, and I've been through a lot of DOL audits where they ask you how do you how do you hire the plan provider, and you know plan sponsor shouldn't be answering I hire my plan provider because that that's my cousin. Um, you know, making a, a plan provider choice during Thanksgiving dinner um, isn't uh, the right answer to me. And you know, uh, you know the problem again. You know, going back to the indoor amusement park business, my uncle at one point uh, was trying to raise money, and he said, "Oh, he'll return a hundred percent of your money." And my mother thought it was a good idea. Um, I thought it was a terrible idea. Uh, of course, my mother eventually didn't invest in it. And um, you know, if I if I did invest in that project and lost my shirt. Um, it would have been on me, and I, I would never have invested money in it. I looked around with it. Uh, the people that he was in business with, I did not trust. Uh, it was just a lot of nonsense going on. Uh, it just, it, it, you, you can tell when a business is not properly run. Um, you know, my uncle would hire another friend of a friend, uh, the son-in-law to be a manager and he was terrible, wasn't doing his job and I could make complaints. And they said, oh, thank you, Ari. Thank you for telling us all about, you know, Steve and how bad he is. And lo and behold, my aunt and uncle uh, got him a car for, for business. So they, they really didn't listen to me. Um, If I, again, if I wanted to lose money in my uncle's business, that's on me. If um, if uh, as plan fiduciary, it, it's worse if I uh, make a decision like that and, and, and lose money for my plan participants. Um, you know, I I do know. Um, I mean, I do know. I actually do know TPAs where the principals have relatives in the investment advisory business. And the advisor never refers business to their TPA relatives. And, uh, you know, the reason why they do that is because they want to keep peace in the family, not anything to do that jeopardize their plan sponsored clients. And that's, that's somebody who takes, uh, in my opinion, their role seriously. So if there are plan providers out there who don't want to juice in their relatives, there's a reason why plan sponsors shouldn't as well. Um, last but not least... Um, an auditor, a plan provider that should be avoided is an auditor with another hand in someone else, uh, someplace else. And uh, retirement plans with over 100 participants generally have to have a audit. I'm not going to touch that 8120 rule. Um, Department of Labor um, regs really fail to really define what an independent auditor is, but uh, it's pretty clear. You know, it's, it reminds me of Justice Potter Stewart. He didn't know what uh, obscenity was, but he knew it when he saw it. He couldn't define it, but he knew it when he saw it. Independence to me means that if you have an auditor that's affiliated with a certain TPA uh, or financial advisor in any fashion is an independent. Uh, I also would suggest that um, if your financial advisor uh, is used by your auditor uh, for uh, business, uh, that's not independent as well. Uh, the purpose of a plan audit is to determine that the retirement assets of the plan are 
where everyone says it is and it's adequate to provide benefits for plan participants and it you know it's used to identify risks to the plan and everybody knows that Bernie Madoff had an auditor and we know uh, how that turned out when the auditor was you know really just a rubber stamp out in Rockland County um, if you're, you know, if plan sponsors paying thousands of dollars of audit fees, it's important to make sure that the audit's beyond reproach and its independence and completeness. Um, you know, uh, many years ago, I identified to the Department of Labor a certain auditing practice with offices at a certain GPA. Um, and about 95% of their clients were from a certain GPA. And this was a accountant who had two different law practices, uh, two different uh, accounting practices. I don't, it was just very, very odd. Talked to the chief accountant. They launched an investigation, and they found deficiencies in the audits. They felt that uh, 80 audits couldn't be done by three auditors. And let's just say the auditor, the accountant, uh, took a lifetime ban from ever doing DOL retirement plan audits. So, um, you know, I, again, I know things firsthand and having dealt with that in my past, dealing with independence, and it's important that the audit, auditor hired is truly uh, independent. I hope you uh, enjoyed that episode of that 4 k podcast. Join me next week. Um, and, of course, go to that 4 k uh, site.com for further information on all our events, live, in person, and virtual. Thanks. Bye.